John chapter 20. I thought about Matthew, but then, you know, we have finished Matthew, and I just didn't want to open the door back to Matthew. And so I thought we would look at this today from a different angle. So John chapter 20, just two verses, verse 1 and verse 19. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Before I read this, I want to cut through the chase. I want to ask this question. What does the resurrection of Jesus mean? What does it personally mean to you? John 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And then verse 19. Then on the evening of that first day of the week, When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Shalom, peace be to you. This is God's word. You can be seated. So really my text is really this, on the first day of the week while it was still dark. Now why does John describe it this way? On the first day of the week. I mean, he could say Sunday. Or even better yet, he could really pack some punch and say the holiday that Easter happens to fall on. Does anyone know the Jewish calendar enough to know what day Easter falls? The Feast of First Fruits. I mean, this is the day where God instructed this appointed time to be celebrated. It's the first Sunday following Passover. And what I find interesting for this feast is while every Jew anticipated the spring harvest, they're praying to God, oh God, bring life from the earth. And it would be so like John to make this kind of connection because when you read his gospel, he loves to connect the meaning of Christ to all those Old Testament ideas like the temple and the manna and the water from the rock and the snake lifted up on a pole and our Passover lamb But John doesn't do that here. He simply says very generically, on the first day of the week. Why? Well, think about how John's gospel introduces Jesus. Does anybody know with which words? Go back to John 1 verse 1. Anybody, how does he introduce Jesus? In the beginning was the Word. In fact, two times in the first two verses, he says, in the beginning. Where else do we find that clause, in the beginning? The very first words of God's book, of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So when John takes these words and introduces to us Jesus with these words... He's creating massive expectation because what he's essentially saying is this. 
as I introduce Jesus to you, I want you to think God creating the world. Because what's going to happen in Jesus is something as great as new creation. In fact, when you think about how God created the world the first time, uh, God created the world by his word. He spoke the world into existence through his spoken word. And John continues in John 1. He says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And through him all things were made. And what's the very first thing God does when he creates the world? He speaks his word into the darkness and he says, let there be light. And that light shone in the darkness. And this is exactly what John continues to say about Jesus. He says he was the light of life and the light that shines into darkness. And so what John wants us to see, that what God is doing in and through Christ is something as cosmic and great as what God does in Genesis 1 and 2 in creating the world. This is why John has laid throughout his gospel seven signs. I mean, he could have recorded hundreds, thousands of things Jesus did, but he chooses seven. Why just seven? Seven fits creation. Then when John's gospel moves to its climactic moment, the exaltation of Jesus, John again wants to tell us what day it is. And rather than calling that day Friday, or Good Friday as we refer to it, what he was does is he highlights the number six. It's the sixth day. Why the sixth day? Well, think creation. What happens on the sixth day? I'll try that again. Genesis 1, what happens on the sixth day? God made Adam. And John now, in this climactic moment in his gospel, has this pilot before Jesus, God's king versus the world's king. And Pilate presents Jesus to the crowd with what words? Behold the man. On what day of the week? The sixth day. In other words, behold the new Adam. See this man. Because here is everything Adam was supposed to be. And who or what was Adam supposed to be? Adam was made to be a king. He was given dominion over the entire creation. He was put in charge of the whole earth. God made him the head over all things, to rule it, to subdue it, to bring the entire creation under God's loving rule. This is the very reason why God makes Adam and Eve in his own image. Because this is the way that Adam and Eve were to rule. They were to be the perfect reflection of God. So if anything went wrong in God's good creation, if there was something that needed care or special attention, Adam was to move into that need, and he was to be God's hands, God's face, God's feet, God's heart. See, as creation 
looked at Adam, what they were to see was God himself. Adam was to be the perfect reflection of God. But what we know about Adam is that Adam failed. He failed because of his pride. He failed because of his selfishness. He wanted to be his own master. He wanted to rule for his own glory. Now here we are in John's gospel, and it's the sixth day. And we have these words about Jesus, behold the man. Because here stands Jesus as everything a human was made to be. Everything Adam was supposed to be. Everything that we should be. And do you see him? Do you see him standing before that crowd? With a crown of thorns on his head. Underneath that purple robe, a body all bloodied only to be exalted on a cross. Behold the man. Because this is God's man. This is God's king. This is a man perfectly reflecting God's face, God's heart, God's hands, God's feet to the world. A new Adam. And don't be fooled by all this, by what this looks like. I mean, it might appear to be weakness and defeat, but it's actually the very power of God and the victory of God because the way that God does power is not the way we do power. God does power by giving up power, and the way God wins is through losing. And so when Pilate says, behold the man... This is the victory of God over the chaos. This is the new Adam ruling and subduing. This is God's light that's sent into the darkness. This is the perfect reflection of God to the world. And I say, behold him. And if I were to apply this right now to our church... If you want to know what it means to bear God's image and to reflect God, this is what it looks like. It's not going to look like Pilate. It's not going to look like Caesar. It's going to look like this man, Christ, who on the sixth day says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Or greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Or who also said, and I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who mistreat you, bless those who persecute you. That's a perfect reflection of God. Behold him. And by the way, how does John tell us that the sixth day ended for Jesus? The same way the sixth day ended in Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 1 and 2, it says God looked at all that he had made, and when God saw that it was finished, he rested on the seventh day, and Jesus does the same thing. He looks at his new work of new creation, and he says, it's finished. And what does he do on the seventh day? He rests in the tomb. And now our text today, on the first day of the week, When it was still dark. Listen. John 20 is about more than a resurrection. As great as that is. It's the first day of new creation. 
And we've talked about this recently. Just as you put a little bit of leaven into a great batch of dough, it, it it's immediately spreads. And, and that's kind of what's what sin did when it was put into the batch of, of, of God's creation. It infected the whole earth, but now Jesus puts a little different kind of leaven in the dough. And it's the seed of new creation that was planted in the ground. And it's in the process of spreading throughout all the heavens and the earth. I don't know what this does to you. But to think then that Jesus is simply a good moral example for us to follow or a wise sage who we should listen to or even a savior who saves us from sin and takes us to heaven someday. Listen, while all this is true, resurrection means so much more than that. It's new creation. God has infected this world that's gone wrong with the power of the resurrection. A new creation. I want you to think this morning about what this means. I mean, think about your own life or, or, or think about the world in which we live. And I hear so many Christians even today bemoaning our world and complaining about things and, and, and joyless. Listen, everything that is wrong in our world, everything that's wrong in your world, every loss, every heartache, every tragedy, every act of violence, every hate crime, every kind of abuse and trafficking, every illness and every cancer, everything that you read about in the news, it all goes back to the problem of Adam. See, Adam was our head. And we're bound up in him so that we're all implicated by his failure. His sin is our sin. His legacy became our legacy. His disease became our disease. And not only did Adam's failure affect all humanity, but it also affected all creation. All creation is bound up in him. All creation is implicated in his failure. It's infected with Adam's disease. This is why the creation groans for a new Adam. Because our world is not going to get sorted out until Adam gets sorted out. This is God's purpose in calling Abraham. This is God's purpose in calling Israel. It's to deal with the problem of Adam. But listen to 1 Corinthians 15. In fact, I encourage you to uh, spend some time today and just read this and, and, and meditate on it. But in 1 Corinthians 15, picking up at verse 21, it says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as an Adam, all die. We're all implicated. But so in Christ, all will be made Alive. Because what we have in Christ is a new Adam. And because we have a new Adam, we no longer have to be bound up in the old Adam. But when we place our, our life in Christ, we are now bound up in the new Adam in Jesus 
to the point where his death becomes our death, his life becomes our life, his righteousness becomes our righteousness, his standing before the Father becomes our standing before the Father, his resurrection is our resurrection, his future is our future, and his glory is our glory. Right now! 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. New creation is what the resurrection is all about. And it's begun its work in us. The curse has lost its grip. And as C.S. Lewis puts it, death is working itself backward. In fact, I love how John's gospel pictures this. Go down now to verse 19. He says, On the evening of that first day of the week, the first day of new creation, Jesus comes and stands among them. And look at what he does in verse 22. It says, And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. (laughs) What do you mean he breathed on them? I hope he didn't have bad breath that day. Of course, he's resurrected, so I doubt it. But he breathes on them. What's he doing? See, this is right out of the creation story again, where it says God formed Adam from the dust, from the Adamah, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath, the the ruach, of life, and man became a living being. See, that's describing the creation of man. And now we have Jesus breathing on them. This is the recreation of man. Jesus is recreating a whole new humanity. That's what we are. For those of us who are in Christ, we're a new humanity. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think there are two extremes here that we need to avoid. The first extreme is that we can bring too much of the future into the present and say new creation is all now. Listen, we're still going to get sick. We're still going to die. We're still going to sin. We're still going to reap the effects of living in a fallen world. I like how, how Peter puts this in In 1 Peter 1 verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, and fade. It's awesome. You can take it to the bank. New creation is at work in us right now and we're still waiting for its glorious conclusion. But it's a given. The second danger is we can just say the new creation is not right now, but it's all future. Now while much of this is a future hope, new creation has begun its work in us. Listen to what Paul says in Romans Chapter 8. I mean, you talk about a great resurrection verse, a great Easter verse. Romans 8, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead 
is living in you. Not will, but the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in us. I mean, we sing it. The same power that conquered the grave, it lives in us. And you say, I don't see it. I don't see new creation. Really? I do. I saw it in that tank this morning. That's new creation. I see the power of the resurrection anytime I see a couple and their, and their marriage is, is falling apart, but they humble themselves under God's almighty hand and in due time, God raises it up. That's new creation. I see new creation in the people of this church who have, who have lost things, significant things, whether it be their health, or whether it be a son, or whether it be a daughter, or whether it be a a husband. And yet there they are, living with faith, hope, and love, and joy. That's new creation. I see new creation when I see someone who's just been in the throes of an addiction, or in the throes of, of, of living a selfish, greedy life. All of a sudden they get Christ and they're set free and their life begins to change. That's new creation. I see new creation when I go to Africa and I meet people like Volvo who's a young single parent with AIDS who was once called by her village a witch but who knows Christ and can't talk about Christ without tears coming to her eyes, who goes to the villages with little children, teaches them how to pray, and goes into the old people homes, and people who are sick, and they they go into these homes, they pray for people. That's new creation. I see the power of the resurrection in the families on the stage today. Because... What Jesus says to his disciples right before he breathes on them is what? What does he say to them? He says, as the Father sends me, so I send you. Listen, as much as we've been told this, being a Christian is not renouncing this world. While that sounds good and spiritual, it's not biblical because God from the beginning has been on a mission to save, redeem, and resurrect the world. You are not saved from the world. You're saved for the world. And God doesn't breathe his, his new creation into us so we can have our own private spirituality and wait for heaven. He adopts us so we can adopt He blesses us so we can bless. He changes and transforms us so we can partner with him in changing and transforming the world that he loves. God doesn't breathe new creation into us except for the purpose 
that he, as the Father sent his Son, is going to send us into the world and push new creation in our world. So I guess that's what Resurrection Sunday should end with, shouldn't it? For those of us who are in Christ today, the ones whom God has imparted new creation in, he is saying to all of us right now, we have a job to do. We have a mission. And as the Father sent the Son, he's now sending us. So like Nathaniel says to his friend at the beginning of the gospel, he says, Nathaniel, come and see. Come and see him. Behold him. I've found him. Trust him. Give your life to him. And at the end of John's gospel on Easter Sunday, we hear the words, go and tell. We come and see him. And now we go and tell the world the gospel. That God is recreating the heavens and the earth. Let's pray. And God, the most exciting thing we could be about today is the new heavens and the new earth that you have inaugurated with the resurrection of Jesus and that you will consummate at the end of time when you come again. And as we live in this this era, I pray, God, that you would resurrect your church, that you would resurrect your people. And as you sent your son then into the world, God, that you would send us out. That we would tell our parents, that we would tell our friends, that we would tell our neighbors the good news, the gospel. That you are going to recreate all things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you up here, we're back up here. Have a few more baptisms to do today. This is Travis. Travis is uh, is a college student. Where do you go to school again? Uh, Grand Valley. Grand Valley. A few of you there. Um, and Travis, you decided this week that you that you wanted to be obedient and and be baptized. Why are you getting baptized today? Um, I've really just. Um kind of come back to God in my faith. There was a time after high school where I, I knew he was there, but I wasn't really pursuing him. And um, uh, this stage in my life, I've come back and begun to pursue him again. And there's um, a passage in Ephesians 2 that Paul kind of lays out how the cross um, reconciled not only the Jews, but the Gentiles to, to God. And um, actually, uh, verse 219 says, we are no longer strangers, but fellow citizens and members of the household of God. And um, I don't know why, but that verse has just really stuck with me over the past few months, and I've just come to view the cross as this beautiful thing and that I can no longer just live this, accept this gift and live selfishly through that. And um, this is just a step of obedience that says I'm ready to stop living that selfish life and give it to him. Praise God. And you, you explained to me this week as we were talking that one of the things that God's really just enlivened in your heart in this process of choosing to pursue him is this desire and this passion to pray for people, to be an intercessor. And, uh, and God has equipped you for that. But 
I mean, how have you seen just that heart of prayer uh, come out in these in these in this new season for you? Um, well, just persevering through that. I mean, there's times when you pray and you don't exactly see the answer you want to see right away, but um, just being dedicated and continuing to pray for people, and then just being able to see your prayers be answered is just uh, brings joy to my heart. I mean, I just love watch, just watching that. That's good. And you said something else to me this week, and I'm just going to share this with all of you in particular, all of you older men. Uh, one of the things that you shared with me is that you desire to be discipled and mentored by someone who's older than you. And um, I'm just going to put that out there to you as, as a family. This is a young man who's a college student who's desiring to grow in his relationship and his walk with Jesus Christ. And if, if for any reason God is just nudging you as an older man uh, to come and talk with Travis afterwards, I'll just encourage you to do that. So, Travis, because your faith in Jesus and your desire to die to self and live in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is Jessica Grandy. It's kind of a big day for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's really exciting. Jessica, you have been adopted into a new family, into the Grandy's family. In fact, you got to choose your name, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Named Jessica. What, do you remember what that means? God sees. It does. And it also means God upholds. That's what I learned from you this week. And even more than that, Jessica, one of the things that you shared with me this week of just why you want to be baptized is that you've made a decision um, about your life and who you want to follow. Why do you want to get baptized today? Because I want to show Jesus that I really like him. <laughs> In talking with you, I think it's a little more than like, isn't it? Yeah. And even more important than you getting adopted into the Grandy family is that you are being adopted and have been adopted into God's family. He's given you a new name. He's given you a new heart. And one of those things, what, what has he done for you as, as a result of you deciding to follow Jesus and love him with your whole heart? How have you seen change in your life? Um, my mom and my mom wasn't very nice to me and um i met my i met my other mom and a dad and they're very kind and they showed me the love of jesus and how has that changed you you before you knew jesus you used to do a lot of something and after meeting jesus and knowing him you've changed haven't you how has that happened because I realized that Jesus was very good and that I wanted to be like him. Praise God. Well, Jessica, because of your faith in Jesus and your desire to follow him and obey him, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
This is Levi. Levi, your family's right down here. Levi, you're 13, and uh, you decided actually with your brother, Dominic, over there uh, to be baptized today. Why do you want to be baptized today? I just, I really like God a lot. I love him. I just, I, I just want to follow him more and get closer to him. So, Share with me this week something that, some way that you've changed that caused you to have to repent, not only to your family, but also to God himself. What, what was it that caused you to, to make that realization and, and, and change your life? Well, I had friends. I just, the, my, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, and I was falling more and more into that wrong area. And I was talking to my parents, and they just, they welcomed me, and I'm like, okay. So, and I started to tell them what I've, what's doing, and what's going on, and and then eventually I just let go and. Then I decided it'd be really nice to get baptized because it's Easter Sunday. So, and it's a beautiful statement of your obedience that you realize that on your own you have no control and you would always go the wrong way. But when you decide to give your life over to Jesus and allow Him to walk with you, to show you, to shepherd you, and you surrender your life, that He brings you into that place where. He gives you good things. He allows you to see beautiful aspects of him and see about yourself that change because of who he is, not because of who you are. Is that right? Yeah. One of the things that Levi shared with me this, this week that uh, I want to just invite you, and we're going to pray for Levi, because in the midst of him coming to his parents and, and repenting and seeing that he allowed... Uh, friends to influence him, not Jesus to influence him, is that uh, it's requiring him to seek out new friends who will spur him on, who will encourage him, who will challenge him in the Lord. And that's pretty hard, isn't it? Yeah. And so you've asked us as a church that we would maybe consider praying for you and for Dominic, that God would bring friends into your life who will encourage you and uphold you and, and, and point you to Jesus. Is that right? Okay. So we're going to pray for you a minute, and then I'll baptize you. Father God, we thank you for Levi. We thank you for this decision that he's made, Lord, to put a stake in the ground, to obey you, to, to want to stand before his church family and declare, Lord Jesus, that you have changed him, that he loves you, God, that you are moving in him, that you're, you're growing him, Lord, and God, that he's got a journey ahead of him, Father. And so, Father, we thank you for that the same time, God, we know that he's had to make some really difficult decisions. God, decisions that may not make him uh, a popular person at school, Lord. And Father, I just ask now that you would bring other, um, other young men and women into his life, God, who will encourage him, who will point him to you, Jesus, where he can stand and be a leader as well, Lord, and that you would use him mightily for your kingdom, Lord Jesus. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Levi, it's because of your faith in Jesus Christ that I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
pretty warm, right? How you stand right up here? Just so people can see you. This is Dominic, and Dominic, you uh, you've just recently come into the Kaczynski family, haven't you? Yeah, and you've seen how they've loved you, haven't you? And before you actually came into their family, I remember your mom emailing me and saying, would you pray for Dominic? We're trying to decide whether or not God would have us bring him into us, our home and, and, and parent him. And, and would you pray for him? Because we'd love to see him know Jesus. And you came into their home and, and you've recently made a decision, haven't you? What's that decision been? Not lying. And you've come to know Jesus, haven't you? Yes. You made a decision to follow him with your whole heart? Yes. How has that changed you? Um, well. You haven't lied? Not lying as much? Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean to, for you to get baptized today? Why do you want to get baptized? Because I needed God in my life. Bless God. So Dominic, because of your walk with the Lord and your decision to follow him only even a couple weeks ago, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is Matt Rowe. You've also seen him once this morning already. And you actually, uh, on Friday, first came and said, I want to get baptized. And then the opportunity to dedicate Sydney arose, and you, you decided to do that as well. But why are you deciding to get baptized today, Matt? Well, I had been, um, been baptized as a child, as an infant, and uh, but never actually took the uh, took the public stand as an adult like this um, and uh, you know I'd, I've, I guess I've considered myself a, a lifelong follower of Jesus maybe not a, always a good one uh, all the time but but one that I've been uh, someone I've been following and uh, you know I think a few things have happened you heard you know our story this morning about uh, you know with our with our daughter and the adoption I think this was something that God put on my heart as just a fitting response to his uh, uh, just to what he's done, um, you know. The other piece of it too is, um, as as many parents may know, uh, kids can just bring you to your knees and just bring you face to face with your own, uh, you, you know, your own limitations, your own darkness, your own sinfulness. And I think that that's something that I've been um, been working through, and God's kind of exposed, and I've I think come to the realization that I I can't be my own savior. I've got to. Uh, as Rod talked about this morning, be uh, uh, with, you know through through Christ, be a new creation, and so that's something I just wanted to wanted to do. Praise God. Praise God. So Matt, because of your desire to follow Jesus and your desire to be buried in the likeness of His death and raised in the likeness of His resurrection, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
just how we're going out of here today. Stand your feet with
off the page around here, we have one more young lady that's come up that wants to be baptized. Would you stay on your feet? Here we go. So this is Stephanie Stapert, and you've decided this morning to get baptized. Stephanie, why would you like to be baptized today? Um, I want to be baptized because I love the Lord with all my heart, and I want to follow him for the rest of my life. Praise God. Praise God. (laughs) I'm going to ask another question, even though you didn't put it down. 